Greetings dear family and God bless you. We are still busy with the subject a perfect heart, but we are finalizing those hidden aspects or strongholds or fortresses that probably kept our hearts in some kind of bondage. And the time has come now to become naked before him with whom we have to do. In other words, our souls are becoming naked before the Spirit of God so that even like a woman submits herself to a man, leaving her home, her life, her name, and gives herself to the man to be married to him, so to our souls will be given over to the Holy Spirit to become his possession because ultimately we are the possession of God we are the redeemed possession. We are the ones for whose souls the price has already been paid. So we've already completed principalities and powers. Today we will look at spiritual wickedness and we will look at another stronghold that entered Adam and Eve's lives and that is transgression. The word transgression in the Hebrew means an unfaithful person or one who is involved in a treacherous act or a trespass against God. It can also be against men, but in this particular case, it is a trespass against God. It's a treacherous act against God. And you know, when we look at uh, Judas, for instance, we see how, though the Lord Jesus Christ loved him and kept him included in the 12, and we've never seen the Lord deal with Judas in any way that was unbecoming or unfair, even at the table. He allowed Judas to put his sop into his own cup and yet Judas carried out a treacherous act or a trespass against God. It is the highest form of rebellion or lawlessness. The word transgression in the Greek means a breach in the law of God. It's a violation or a breaking of the law of God. Now we're going to look at a few scriptures to understand how God viewed transgression, how did transgression come in? In other words, what was a treacherous act that Adam and Eve were forced to carry out? And is that stronghold or fortress of transgression still present today in the lives of the people of God? Yes, in the world, it's easy to see. But in the church world, do you think it will be easy to see this? Well, let's look. In the book of Exodus 34 and verse 7, we read, Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. See, these are labeled separately. Iniquity, transgression and sin, they're labeled separately. So transgression is not just a sin like any other sin. It is a treacherous act against God. 
it is a breach in the law of god it is a violation of rebellion or lawlessness continue with exodus 34:7 and that by no means clear the guilty visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and fourth generation micah 7:18 to 19 says who is like god who is like unto thee that pardons iniquity and passes by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage he retains not his anger forever because he delights in mercy he will turn again he will have compassion on us he will subdue our iniquities and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea clearly the prophetic declaration is god will not leave mankind in his transgression god will have compassion and he will definitely save men hosea 6 to 7 says and they like adam have transgressed the covenant there they have dealt treacherously against me clearly it is spelt out that adam transgressed the covenant what was the covenant we're going to look at that adam transgressed the covenant and they have dealt treacherously against me both adam and eve and since then the sin of transgression or treachery has continued first chronicles 10:13 to 14 says so Saul died for his transgression which he committed against the lord you see this transgression is not a sin for instance against your own body or against people in the earth this transgression is against the lord and what Saul did for instance as the king of israel he transgressed against god even against the word of god which he kept not and also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it he inquired not of the lord therefore he slew him and turned the kingdom unto david the son of jesse church we must be careful that we do not give ourselves to demons be careful that you don't listen to the voice of demons it's got nothing to do we are simply dismantling any knowledge that still lies within us of the dark world but be careful that we are no so we are not so involved with demonology and what the devil has to say about world events about activities so much so that Saul was committed and passed off as a transgressor of the law of God against the word of God because he did not ask counsel of God he did not follow the counsel the rule the law of God but he asked counsel of a familiar spirit and God slew him removed him out of the way and David took his place 1 Samuel 24:11 moreover my father see David is saying now to Saul and we've seen the scripture before see the skirt of your robe in my hand for in that i cut off the skirt of your robe but i did not kill you i killed you not know and see that there is neither evil nor transgression in my hand i have not sinned against you 
yet you hunted my soul to take it. You know the story when David um Saul Saul pursued David. David was in the cave. And when Saul and his men fell off to sleep, David walked up to Saul, took his own sword and cut off a small piece of his robe just to show him I came so close to you by cutting off your robe and you didn't even know it. And later on he tells him my father. He still calls him my father even though he was a transgressor. He says, "See, I've got a piece of your robe. I could have killed you." but I'll never do it. There's neither evil nor transgression in my hand. And I have not sinned against you, yet you are hunting my soul to take it. We must be careful church in this season. It doesn't matter who hunts our soul. It doesn't matter who is difficult with us. It doesn't matter who is wicked to us, but you must not be the wicked one. And you know there was a stage once when we had a burglary in our home many years ago and Mervin was stabbed in that burglary. And at stage you know my thoughts were oh I wish he had a gun <laughs> that he would shoot him. But thank God that Mervin lived. But later on I learned I was glad that we did not have a gun and that we did not shoot the man that he would die so that there would be blood on our hands. God will protect us. We must not hate back. We must not revile for reviling. We must not curse if we are cursed. We must not bad mouth if we are bad mouth. We've got to be careful because there must not come out of our own mouths transgression. Job 7:21 Why dost thou pardon my transgression and take away mine iniquity? For now shall I sleep in the dust. He knows God's going to forgive him his transgression. He says, "Why do you want to forgive me my transgression?" He says, "And then I am going to sleep in the dust anyway." Psalms 19:13, "Keep back your servant from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression." So the great transgression is presumptuous sin presumption can be very dangerous setting oneself above another or setting oneself higher than is expected or setting yourself higher than god or on the same plane as god when you are not when you are a mere man can be dangerous even though we know that god wants us to come to the place of having his own nature and character it is why god came as a son to make us sons if he came to us as god and he set the example then we'd expect to become a god like him but we are sons of god and even though we are sons we are heirs of god and joint heirs with the lord jesus christ god has given us the same nature character strength power abilities that he has as a father though we are sons but presumption sin is transgression it is treachery against god may i say this it is capital treachery that's what presumptuous presumption is capital treachery it's like um 
you employ somebody in your business and after a short while the one who works for you as an employee decides I want to become the employer so he decides through some deviant way devious method some treachery either through crippling the employer or killing the employer so that he can take the employer's place that is what we call treachery and that's what transgression is is to lay aside the correct rule in order to become treacherous in order to reverse the rule that has been set already now let's look at the new testament acts 125 tells us that he may take part of this ministry and apostleship from which judas by transgression fell that he might go to his own place now when they cast lots for matthias in the book of acts 125 it was said that he will now take the place of judas who fell because of transgression because of treachery so that he might go to his own place judas will go to his own place wherever god decides romans 5:14 nevertheless death reigned from adam to moses even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of adam's transgression who is the figure of him that was to come unfortunately the bible is saying death reigned as a result of adam's transgression adam transgressed but death reigned from adam to moses and till today that transgression can still be present in the form of treacherous acts 1 john 3:8 he that commits sin is of the devil for the devil sins from the beginning for this purpose the son of god was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil whoever is born of god does not commit sin for his seed remains in him and he cannot sin because he is born of god so again i want to say that even though one might not be possessed with the devil but we got to be careful that we have nothing that belongs to him even in a very subtle way there will not be anything in us that will be a transgression that means a treachery against the laws of god hebrews 8:8-13 however god finds fault with them showing its inadequacy when he says behold the days will come says the lord when i will make the, and ratify a new covenant with the house of israel and with the house of judah not like the covenant that i made with their fathers on the day when i took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of egypt for they did not abide in my covenant and so i withdrew my favor and disregarded them says the lord for this is a covenant that i will make with the house of israel in those days says the lord i will imprint my laws upon their minds even upon their innermost thoughts and understanding and engrave them upon their hearts effecting their regeneration i will be their god and they shall be my people and it will be necessary for each one to te- sorry it will not be necessary for each one to teach his fellow citizens for all will know me by experience and have knowledge of me from the least to the greatest of them and i will be merciful and gracious towards their wickedness and i will remember their sins no more some version says i will be merciful towards their transgression 
When God speaks a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete, and whatever is becoming obsolete, out of use, annulled and growing old is ready to disappear. So church very clearly what the scripture is saying, the only way that there can be an alteration of the transgression is when the laws of God are written in our hearts. It is why we take time many of us uh, in teaching the word step by step emphasizing so that these laws can be written in the hearts when the laws of god the word of god is written in our hearts there will be no desire for the heart to transgress hebrews 2:2-3 for if the word spoken by angels was steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just recompense of reward how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation which at the first began to be spoken by the lord and was confirmed unto us by them that heard him in other words the angels transgressed first before adam and the serpent now pointed that transgression out to adam and i'll show you how and he says if the angels fell because of the transgression and because of this disobedience they received a just recompense of reward we also need to be careful that we don't neglect so great a salvation and fall into the same trap 1 john 3:4-9 whoever commits sin transgresses the law of god for sin is the transgression of the law you know that he was manifested to take away our sins and in him is no sin whoever abides in him sins not whoever sins has not seen him never known him little children let no man deceive you for he that doeth righteousness is righteous even as he is righteous or each one his brother saying no by experience and have knowledge of the lord so what the scripture is saying is that any one who walks in transgression is actually breaking the law of god and if you break the law of god then you become a transgressor of the law and if you become a transgressor of the law it means you've never known god now this is how adam transgressed the serpent said in the day that you eat you'll become like god you will sit on a throne like god you'll become like god you'll become a god now that was transgression God already created man and man is a created being. He was created by God. Therefore man is subject to God. And man was given dominion on the earth and in spite of the fact that he was given dominion over God's creation, the creation was really God's and man himself belonged to God. But here's a treacherous act when you wanted now to take the place of God. when you wanted to become like god it's a treacherous act and when we look at the four faces of man we will see how important the face of the ox is it keeps us humble it keeps us knowing that we have to be yoked to god to submit to him to walk with him it keeps us in a place of servanthood and submission and humility that's what paul was talking about when he said in my weakness i'm strong because his strength is perfected in my weakness if human strength is in a place that is that is emphasized then we got no place for the strength of god therefore the strength of god must supersede human strength in the season 
So now we understand, church, how important these things are. And it gets played out in our everyday activities, in our everyday lives. Therefore, even leaders will have to be careful in this season that we do not walk in any way as if we are now on a pedestal, as if we are now in a place where we own all things. People of the kingdom will have to realize this next level of the kingdom will not open up to us if we do not know how to walk without transgression because otherwise we will think we own everything and even though we do because of our father because we heirs of God and joint heirs with the Lord Jesus Christ we can reach a place where we think there is no one superior than ourselves and these are warnings that we have to give therefore even in the little areas of our lives we ought to deal with pride because we transgress the law of God when we make ourselves bigger than God. So church, I leave you with this until we can speak the next time. God bless. Well, greetings dear family and God bless you. We are still busy with the teaching on a perfect heart. And of course, we are now looking at the four strongholds, fortresses that probably have taken hold of our hearts without us even knowing it. These are secret strongholds. And the Bible says we must overthrow them because our fight is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness. We have already looked at one principality, which is unbelief, and we saw how the Israelites failed and could never enter the promises of God, the promised land, which was meant to be their rest, because that was the natural walk, the natural journey, and they failed to enter the rest. But there still remaineth the rest for us as children of God, and that rest is to find ourselves in Christ, That rest is to find ourselves seated in Christ, in heavenly places. That rest is to find ourselves in the kingdom. That rest is to find ourselves in the complete nature and character of our Father as sons. And so we looked at that stronghold, which is a principality. And today we're going to look at a second one. And this is called perverseness. Now, In the Hebrew, the word perverseness means twisted, distorted, crooked, perverse, or perverted. Uh, You will understand why I showed you also how there are four major groups of serpents. And one of the groups is very much like this particular stronghold. Twisted, distorted, crooked, perverse, perverted. In the Greek, this word means to distort, to turn aside to oppose, to plot against the saving purposes and the plans of God, to turn aside from the right path and to pervert or to corrupt. Now, the shocking thing is we'll be amazed at how even in the church world, we can actually pervert God's word. We can pervert the truth. There's so much perversion right now in terms of the word of God, where you take the word and you use it the way you want to or you use it out of context, or you use the word 
and pervert it for your benefit. That is why bodies have been perverted and even within the church world we are seeing so much of perversion where even bodies now would lust for the wrong sex. And we're going to look at a few scriptures and see how this can be heightened and how we understand where this came from. While unbelief came via Adam and Eve, perverseness also came via Adam and Eve. Deuteronomy 32.5 says, They have corrupted themselves. Their spot is not the spot of his children. They are a perverse and a crooked generation. God is talking to the Israelites. Proverbs 12.8 says, A man shall be commended according to his wisdom, but he that has a perverse heart shall be despised. Now this is something we've got to watch out for. We do not want to have a perverse heart. We must be careful that none of us are adamant about any issue. If we are not sure, we'd rather lay down, but never be adamant about something that we are not sure. Therefore, in this season, it will be people who are well-versed in the Word and led by the Spirit of God, who are knowledgeable about the Word of God, will give clarity. We cannot take a few scriptures and run with them and then out of context make our belief system and then become adamant because that will become perverseness if we are not accurate. Proverbs 10.32 says, The lips of the righteous know how to speak what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked knows and speaks what is perverted, what is twisted, contrast and upright and the wicked. The Bible says we have to be careful. Sometimes our speech can be twisted. It can be perverted. Sometimes even when we report something, we've got to be careful that we don't twist it when we're reporting it. Because even if we twist it to the slightest, then it means that we have given ourselves to a stronghold called perversion. Now these are very secretly, I told you the devil doesn't come to us with horns, with blackness and darkness and outrageousness and just fills us and rules through us. No, he has come through his nature, his character, with knowledge, the knowledge of good and evil. He's come with knowledge that can truly um, contaminate our lives and contaminate our hearts. Psalms 58, 3-5 says, The wicked are estranged from the womb. These go astray from birth. They speak lies, even twisted and partial truths. Their poison is like the venom of a serpent. They are like the deaf-horned viper that stops up its ear so that it does not listen to the voice of charmers or of the skillful enchanter casting cunning spells. So there's a kind of, uh, uh, there's a kind of, of, of a serpent that has got full of venom, so much of venom that it, it's a horned viper. In other words, it is one that has has a lot of pride. Horns speak of pride. You can't tell it what to do. It stops its ears that even if you speak to such a one, it will not be able to answer or heed to your call, just like the serpent, that's this particular serpent that will not surrender to a charmer who wants to charm it or enchant it. And these are called people who are given to twisted and partial truths. 
Then we come to Isaiah 27, 1, and it says, In that day the Lord is going to punish Levi-Ivan, the fleeing serpent, with his fierce and great and mighty sword, rescuing Israel from her enemy, even Leviathan, the twisted serpent. He will kill that dragon who lives in the sea. God calls a serpent, probably not a natural one, even though you might see the characteristic in the natural one. But this is a serpent that is twisted. This is a serpent that is uh, distorted, perverse. Um, in Philippians 2:15 to 16, again, the New Testament church is warned that you may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and a perverse nation, among whom you shine as lights in the world holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Paul says he's praying that his labor was not in vain. He's warning the children of God, you must become the light in the world, that you may rejoice in the day of Christ. Be careful of a perverse and a crooked nation, a perverse and a crooked world. You cannot be a part of this world. Therefore, we've got to be careful that there's nothing perverse inside of us. And I'm inclined to believe that we have to watch what we say, we have to watch what we think in the season, we have to watch what we believe in the season of the Word of God. We truly have to watch our behavior because we just need to be careful. The only thing that can set us free, and verse 16 tells us that holding forth the Word of life, the Word of life is truth, and the word of life will prevent us from becoming perverse and uh, twisted and um, in any way distorted. 1 Timothy 6, 5 to 10 tells us, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such you must withdraw yourself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, it is certain. We carry or we can carry nothing out. Having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many, many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. This scripture is clearly telling us one of the ways by which we can walk with perverseness is by placing money above God. It is wrong thinking. It is distorted and twisted thinking because God is above all riches. And while God wants us to have enough, we can never place our riches above God. Second Peter 2.3 says, And in their greed, they will exploit you with false arguments and twisted doctrine. Their sentence of condemnation which God has decreed from a time long ago is not idle, but is still in force. And their destruction and deepening misery is not asleep, but is on its way. Now again here you can see this is not talking about the non-church world talking about the church world or the children of God. He says, and because of greed, they will exploit you with false arguments and twisted doctrine. 
Now, twisted doctrine means taking the word of God, the truth, the word of life, and twisting it to suit your end. Now, anyone who does that means that this stronghold is still inside. Stronghold of perverseness. Isaiah 52, 14 and 15, As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, his form more than the sons of men, so shall he sprinkle many nations, kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. The word marred is disfigurement, it means distortion. The Lord Jesus Christ was distorted physically to rescue us from this distortion that has actually entered the heart through the first man and continued. It's a corruption. It mars, damages and soils the rest of the body. John 1.14 says, The Word made flesh, the Word Christ became flesh, lived among us. We actually saw His glory, this glory that belongs to the one and only begotten Son of God, the Father, the Son who is truly unique, the only one of His kind who is full of grace and truth, absolutely free of deception. The truth of God is a person, Christ. And in the face of Christ, perverseness will have to go because he is naked, he hid nothing, he is open, even the slightest thing that we try to hide or we distort in our report back will show us perverseness is present. John 1, 16 to 18, For out of his fullness, the superabundance of his grace and truth, we have all received grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favor upon favor, and gift heaped upon gift, The law was given through Moses, but grace, the unearned, undeserved favor of God and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God, his essence, his divine nature at any time, and one and only begotten God, that is the unique son who is in the intimate presence of the father. He has explained him, interpreted him, revealed the awesome wonder of the father. So nobody has seen God the father who is truth. But when the Son came, He came to express the Father. He brought Him out in the way of truth. So truth is very important. And you'll see how poor Adam fell when he believed a lie. And um, because of the surpassing greatness, 2 Corinthians 12, 7 to 9, because of the surpassing greatness and the extraordinary nature of the revelations which I received from God, For this reason, to keep me from thinking of myself as important, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to torment and harass me, to keep me from exalting myself. Concerning this, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My loving kindness and my mercy are more than enough, always available, regardless of the situation. For my power is being perfected and is completed and shows itself more effectively in your weakness. So let's not complain and grumble. Poor Paul suffered and he cried to God many times to take away this pain. 
And you'll find that at the end of verse 9, he says, Therefore, I will all the more gladly boast in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may completely enfold me and may dwell in me. So you might be going through a difficulty, a weakness, a struggle, a challenge, a trial. Sometimes God allows that to keep you humble. I've come to realize even in my own life that I have to be humble because of the revelation that God has also given to me that I might not be exalted because I might say, but I'm not proud. I don't know how humanity can react in the, t- in the presence of glory. And therefore, sometimes God keeps us in a place so that we are not exalted above measure. And here, Paul had to go through this. And Paul says, just so that he is not lifted up because of the revelation granted to him, therefore God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you. Now, how did this enter Adam's life, first of all, this perversion? Perverseness is distorting, twisting. Now, watch how the serpent twisted the statement given to Adam. God said to Adam, There are all the trees in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will not eat. In the day that you eat, you will die. Clearly, the statement was made by God, which is the law of God, which is the absolute divine truth. But when the serpent spoke to Eve, he said, in the day that you eat, you will surely not die. Now, here was a distortion a perversion, a twisting of the truth. And in many ways today, church, I want to tell you that we ourselves can twist the truth or we can listen to a message or listen to people who literally twist the truth for gain, will twist the truth because of an inaccurate um, revelation, will twist the truth because of pride, will twist the truth um, to make a statement, will twist the truth because um, of some devious means. We cannot, whether we like it or not, we are gonna have to live by the truth of God. In my counseling, I oftentimes hear one side of the story, but I never make a decision until I've heard the other side. And when I've heard the other side and I compare, I realize, oh my God, if I only made a decision by listening to the one side, I would have been in serious trouble because it is not the complete truth. So I want us to understand how important the truth is. And this perverseness is actually a deception of the truth. And you'll find that... um, Um, the four faces that we saw in the book of Ezekiel while the face of the eagle dismantles the stronghold of unbelief it does not allow the storm or the wind to define its divine nature and its divine ability and its divine purpose so too the face of man who is God's crown creation on the earth has been given wisdom to unravel the truth 
and the face of man will dismantle perverseness. If man only knew the truth about his destiny and he knew how much God loves him and he knew that God created him with a purpose and he knew that God created him to rule and reign on the earth and God created him to be a son of God, these truths will raise man into a place of never walking with this stronghold of perverseness. So I'm going to leave you with that and we will come back with the next teaching. God bless you until we speak again. Take your right foot, left foot. Are you ready?